Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Hi, Taylor and Leah. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Betty. Hello. Hi. So today I am joined by Taylor Mulia and Leah Ritchie, who work for Kibara Coalition. And Leah, let's start with you. Tell us about your organization. What do you do? Who are you serving? Sure. Great. Thanks, Betty. So Kibara Coalition, we are based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, but we work throughout the West. Broadly speaking, our mission is to build resilience on Western working lands. So we work in coalition with ranchers, farmers, government and tribal agencies, and all sorts of land stewards to try to build resilience on dry working lands. And the foundation of our work is the idea that good land stewardship is one of the most powerful paths to remedy the impacts of climate change. So we yeah, work across the West uh, to try to both support ranchers and farmers in improving their land stewardship and also uh, improving the health of the land. Well, that sounds like a a really great organization, Leah, and something that certainly is really timely as we think about just, you know, current events and the weather over this past summer and, you know, really the last few summers. Tell me a little bit about the project that y'all received funding for. You kind of alluded to why maybe it was so needed now, but tell me more about that. I'm really curious. Yeah. So we uh, applied for and received a BFRDP grant in 2019 for our new agrarian apprenticeship program. So our, our apprenticeship program actually started in 2009. And the idea behind it was that we have an aging ranching and farming population. And there's this big question of, you know, especially for a lot of ranchers and farmers who don't have children who want to take the business over after they retire of not only what's going to happen to those businesses and who's going to produce food, but also who's going to be tending to this incredible amount of land that's currently stewarded by ranchers and farmers in the West. So in in 2009, our apprenticeship program was started as a way to help the next generation of ranchers and farmers receive training and also the relationships and mentorship that's really needed to go into a career in agriculture. And the niche that we work with is specifically larger landscape operations, livestock operations in the West, where there's a lot of skills and experience and time that it takes in order to, especially if you're not from a ranching or farming background, to get into a career in, in agriculture. And so the apprenticeship program was started. It was pretty small for the first handful of years, but has really grown quite a bit. And so in 2019, we applied for a BFRDP project to help us build out some additional tools to support both the apprentices, so the beginning ranchers and farmers, and then also the mentors who are the experienced ranchers and farmers who are play a really critical role in, in the program. In our 2019 grant, we specifically focused on building out our mentor training. And the idea behind that is that you know, there are a lot of incredibly skilled ranchers and farmers out there, but in order for them to pass on their knowledge and their experience, they also need to learn how to become effective teachers. And so 
Julie Sullivan, who's one of our founding mentors from the program, she put together a really amazing curriculum and does a series of seven training calls. So it's it's really incredible because she is a mentor herself and you know, has experienced all of the challenges of being both a rancher and then also working with a young person who has limited experience. And she put together a series of training calls and everything from how to find an apprentice to work with, how to give them effective feedback, good communication skills, and then also put together um, a manual to go with the training series to really help you know people who don't necessarily have a background in teaching be able to feel more confident in their ability to pass their, their knowledge and skills on to the young person that they're working with. For the apprentices in our program, we also focused on the application process. So making sure that we are doing a good job of doing outreach so that people know about our program is an opportunity to get into a career in ranching or farming. We also originally put together uh, what we called Ranch 101 workshops. Those have changed a little bit and now are, we call them NAP 101 calls. So it's designed to help people navigate the application process and also put together some great tools so that at the beginning of the season, apprentices have a good sense of what they're getting into and what sort of support we can provide throughout the season. That sounds great. Can you tell me a little more even about that relationship between the mentors and the uh, the apprentices, how this is really helping the apprentices to be able to, you know, move on to the next level? Yes, yeah, so um, I'll uh, start a little bit and then Taylor, if you have any specific stories you want to share, that'd be great. But yeah, I mean, it's totally like we are essentially matchmakers that so Kavira's role in uh, the apprenticeship program is we're sort of a third party support. So we support mentors uh, in the application process and, you know, hiring an apprentice and becoming a skilled teacher. And we provide training and support for apprentices throughout their apprenticeship. So, you know, leading additional supplemental education calls to support what they're learning on the ground. And yeah, and, you know, we help pair them up and, I think it's it's definitely a situation where both mentors and apprentices get something really special out of it that you know apprentices spend 8 months living and working with their mentor and gain wow. all sorts of experience and connections and the mentors yeah many of them you know share that they you know come away from the experience with a different perspective a lot of them just really love uh, having a young person who's just so excited about getting into regenerative agriculture and has, you know, comes so full of questions and curiosity and a real desire to learn. So yeah, I think like we, we definitely see ourselves as, as matchmakers and as, you know, support for both the apprentices and the mentors in the program. I think it sounds really cool. And I, I just want to make sure I understood this correctly. So they go live with their, their mentor for eight months. Is that right? Yeah. Te- technically, uh, Apprentice has their own separate housing, living under the same roof. But yeah, they're all for the most part in very rural, isolated areas. So yeah, working working together and basically living together, um, working in a small team for the eight months of their apprenticeship. And part of the goal of the program is not just to you know teach new skills every day. So it's not a purely educational program, but an apprenticeship is a hybrid work and education experience. And so alongside learning new skills, apprentices also get to see the full 
eight month season. So, you know, both learning new skills and, you know, doing something exciting work and also like really feeling what it's like to experience a full season in agriculture, which also includes many days of fixing fences and, uh, you know, being outside and not very fun weather. And so mm-hmm. both like the, the excitement and also the drudgery that comes with a full season in agriculture. Yeah, I would imagine that your apprentices have a very good idea of what farming is like after they've completed the apprenticeship program, because it is so, as you're describing it, it is so very hands-on. I mean, they're basically intern. I don't know. I, I don't know if you like that name or not. Yeah. And we actually uh, prefer the term apprentice because uh, it's a little bit of a more advanced experience. So the program is not necessarily for someone who's never had any experience in agriculture and is, you know, seeing if they like it, but it's really a stepping stone for someone who is sincere about a career in agriculture. And so it's not just getting them, you know, the exposure and the skills, but also the relationship and community support and connections Mm. that a mentor can provide. Do you have a story about like a specific farmer or a specific apprentice that you're able to share where they were, you know, able to improve their situation, grow in knowledge? Maybe they started ranching or took over somebody's ranch. There's the apprentices that graduate our program are kind of, you know, we we technically measure success and how many farmers continue on. But I think we've had conversations like you know, keeping somebody in conservation, in agriculture broadly, in any type of that adjacent career is considered a success for us. So we have people that are working with Rocky Mountain Farmers Union that are working with, you know, conservancies and land trusts and different sort of rangeland monitoring groups, you know, stuff like that is is still a success for us. I think it's really cool to, and even like policy people, it's cool to have them actually have a season under their belt on the ground, actually know what they're talking about. So Mm -hmm. um, I would, you know, I think that's important to recognize that a lot of our folks still do stay in agriculture in that sense. But yeah, we have quite a few folks who are running their own operations. Um, One in particular, who I think is a really cool model. Marcos Baez is, he was an apprentice for Lewis Martin, who is one of our mentors who's been in the program forever. And so Marcos came to the US, he's from the Dominican Republic, and he originally, you know, kind of went into a corporate job and then started branching and uh, really found a, a place at Lewis's and Lewis offered him to sort of start up an enterprise. Wow. And so Marcos has been working for Lewis in his operation, but also has space to have his own cows and run his own herd and feel what it's like with those quote unquote training wheels, you know, to have sort of a safety net. And you also have the lease secured underneath you. You have a lot of these different sort of help. You just have a lot of scaffolding. It sounds like, have you ever heard of that? Like educational model, like scaffolding, like there's a lot in the beginning and then gradually you kind of, you know, pull it back. So work your way out of that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's a really cool model that Lewis has really stuck with that he encourages all of his apprentices to stick around apprentices to stick around for a second season. And then generally if things are working out really well, he'll invite them to to stick around as a full-time employee. And it's not necessarily like a successor situation, but it's more like, you know, it's all leased land. So there's nothing that's getting passed down to a next generation. But it's teaching these people, hey, if you have no resources, no capital to begin with, no land, no family ranch coming down to you, 
here's what you can do. Show, I'll show you what I'm doing and we can kind of walk this together. So that's a really cool story. And we've got so many others. I mean, there's Kate Mannix up at the Mannix Ranch in uh, Montana. She actually was an apprentice there and then <laughs> fell in love and got married to one of the sons. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yes, that happens, too. I'm laughing. It's like a country yeah. song, right? It is. It is. Yeah. So but um, she's an incredible ranch rancher in her own right and had trained um, her first season at another ranch in the program. And the Mannix Ranch was kind of afterwards. And so so, yeah, and she proved herself and then kind of, you know, is now a part of the family and is now helping run the whole operation. So that's a really cool story too. So if I am a beginning farmer, how do I engage with this program? Yeah. So our timeline sort of starts actually kind of right now. Uh, November 1st is when our applications start opening for the next season. So it is quite early, but we try to start the process right now. So then folks can be on the ground in March and April. So applications open from November 1st to December 15th. And then we go through the interview process and then folks get on the ground and start their apprenticeship um, if they're chosen. So uh, that's one way to get involved in the program. It's obviously a pretty life-changing way if you're a little mm-hmm. more, <laughs> if you'd like to access our resources, we have, um, we're always happy to, you know, we're kind of, we are very happy to jump on the phone with somebody. So everyone's situation is super different. So oftentimes if, if we get an email from somebody, we'll say, Hey, you know, like let's have a phone call and figure out what, what, how might we help you? Um, is it that you need resources? You need us to connect you with people. Is the apprenticeship right for you? Are you looking for somebody else? Who's, are you looking for employment? So there's a ton of ways to get plugged in, but I'd say just reach out to us and we can find how we can help you. That's a great answer. And I love that you're so available. About how many apprentices do you take each year? So our program started really small. We were only taking five to eight and then it got a little bigger and then it kind of exploded. And now it's kind of <laughs> finding its equilibrium. This this year we had 23 apprentices, I believe. And wow. that was in, yeah, we have a couple in California that are kind of grandfathered into the program. Um, usually we have some in New Mexico, Colorado and Montana. I think it sounds like a a really well-run program. So what is next for the program? How are you going to continue to help beginning farmers? Our program currently is, uh, we're fulfilling our current BFRDP grant, which is pretty exciting stuff. We're having a professional videographer put together some videos for us to, so we can reach a broader audience. Um, we've got a, actually our own podcast. So if folks want to listen in. It's called Regeneration Rising. Where we're Regeneration kinda... Rising. I like it. Yeah, it's good yeah. alliteration. Okay. Very good. <laughs> it's a very basic podcast, but I think it's, it's cool because it's not the big flashy people that are always getting on podcasts. It's the regular mm-hmm. folks who are just doing the work and happen to be in our network. So, so yeah, we're working on a job board. And I think one of the big buckets of that we're kind of focus of work we're fo- focusing on in the next couple of years is supporting folks as they're stepping out of our program into the job market into, you know, you're kind of incubated for eight months and then you're kind of like, okay, go do it. <laughs> and uh, not necessarily ready to do it or um, have the right resources. So we're trying to find ways in which we can connect them with employers easier. So doing a job board, having a resource list for them to refer to for the rest of their career, and then also um, providing them with technical support, one-on-one technical support, maybe some funding for them to go to get opportunities to go to conferences and 
continue networking and then also just keeping that cohort alive and mm. so that they can be a resource for each other and still stick have you know sort of this this string connected to Kivera throughout their career because Kivera has an incredible network of people it's just sometimes honestly a matter of knowing who needs what and then it's connecting them to this person and then magic happens so we think that keeping that cohort connected to us is uh is kind of where where the future lies and and also i think uh as a lot of other programs you're going through right now is like really looking at our program through an accessibility lens like who can engage in our program and what kind of what kind of people find this program easy to access and what kind of people are we not reaching and why is it a structural thing you know like what are the answers to those questions so that is a huge question that is driving our work in the next couple of years where can people learn more? What's your website and your social media handles? Yeah, so our website is kiveracoalition.org. It's kind of uh, hard spelling for folks to <laughs> work out. So it's Q-U-I-V as in Victor, I-R-A, coalition.org. And you can kind of toy run on our website. We have uh, some other programs that are super interesting and, and maybe might be helpful to folks. Um, but if you want to find our information and click on new agrarian program. And um, all of our social media is under Kivera's umbrella. So you can find us at Kivera Coalition, any of those handles. If you search that, you'll find us. Well, thank you, Taylor and Leah, for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. Tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota.